0: Paul, I'm one of the co-pastors here uh, at Newport. We are so glad that you're here with us to worship. Um, I'm going to ask you to do kind of a similarly strange thing this morning. Uh, I want you uh, to kind of look around the room and to pick an object, okay? Uh, if you're online, Pat, can you do the kind of wide screen so that people can, online, you can look in the sanctuary. I want you to look around the room and preferably picking something that's like in the, on the physical part of the room itself, okay? So picking an object from the room, Okay. Now, go ahead and uh, call out what, what are some of the objects that you picked? The carpet, the cross. How many people picked the cross? Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Okay, carpet, cross, other things. Whoa, exit sign. F- flute, okay. Guitar. Drum kit. What was that one, Jim? Microphone. Smoke detector. What was that, Sebastian? fire extinguisher? Okay, see, man, you guys all picked, you picked all the things I didn't think you were going to pick, but nice job. Uh, now, <laughs> uh, this is a rather obvious question, uh, but is a fire extinguisher the sanctuary? No. Are the microphones the sanctuary? No. How about the lights? Nope. How about the, the boards on the ceiling? I mean, we're getting a little more gray now, right? Maybe. Why, why aren't each of these individual things, why aren't they not the sanctuary? They're not the whole, right? All those things have individual functions, right? All those things are important. All of those things serve a purpose, but each one of those things serves its own purpose, right? The lights aren't great at being a fire extinguisher, right? And the microphones are certainly not great at helping us to see things. They help us to hear things. Right? Each of these pieces comes together to house our worship. Right? All of these individual objects, they come together to create space for us to encounter God and to meet with one another. Right? Now, if you are familiar with this passage or if you were paying attention to what Pastor Scott said, you can probably see where I'm going to go with what we're talking about here. Right? This, This metaphor of the sanctuary. Each of these individual pieces is not the sanctuary, but they come together to create a space for us to meet with God and with one another. Uh, this morning, we're continuing a series as we've been looking at this idea of what does it mean for us to listen to God, to pay attention to our paying attention to God. And in particular, we've been uh, in this part of the series looking at what does it mean for us to listen to God as a church? What happens when we listen together in the context of community. And so because of that, uh, we've been looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. In your Bible, it's called First Corinthians, because Paul really wants to make sure that the church understands who it is and why it exists, and then what happens when we function together as a community. And in particular, Paul is, uh, this morning, we're looking at this passage that uh, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you have probably almost guaranteed you've heard this story before. And this is the metaphor where Paul refers to the church, the community, as a body, right? Individual parts to make up one body. And if you haven't heard this passage before, it's a pretty self-explanatory metaphor, right? Each part of the body functions and has its own thing, and it's not like you have two ears that are actually feet on your face, right? It's every part of the body has its own purpose and its own function. But because it's a pretty... uh, obvious, uh, kind of straightforward metaphor, and because many of us have heard this before if you've been in the church for any amount of time, it can kind of be easy to kind of just pass over the metaphor, to kind of just, oh, okay, that makes sense. And a lot of times the conclusion that's drawn, which is an absolutely great conclusion, and if you walk away with nothing else, it's a great conclusion to walk away from, what often we hear is that each person is a part of the body and everybody has something to contribute and we, we work all together. That's absolutely a great part of what this kind of metaphor is talking about, but I think because it's so familiar and straightforward, we sometimes miss the richness and the depth of what Paul is actually telling the people in Corinth, and so what I want to invite you to do, um, we're going to do a little bit different this morning, we're going to go kind of chunk by chunk for our passage, Uh, and this is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Uh, So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to take it out. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the pew or the seats in front of you. Um, I really want you to have kind of the Bible out in front of you, because we're going to do kind of some working this through. Uh, The words will also be on the screen in case you don't, or you have it on your phone, you can pull it out that way. But we're going to kind of work through uh, some of the context of what's happening here. So uh, last week, uh, Pastor British, he kind of gave this prophetic word to us that the church body is not just a Christian community right, but the the body of Christ, the body of the church, exists only with the mind of Christ, right, that we seek to follow Jesus together, and that's what makes us a body, not just a kind of a gathered community of Christians. And so uh, then Paul is kind of continuing this line of thought for us about what does it mean for us to be a church, to be a a body? What does that kind of metaphor have to do with It's a really helpful metaphor because it moves us past understanding ourselves just as an organization, but actually as like an organism, We are living and moving and breathing together. This isn't just like a gathering of people. We're like literally an organism. This is really profound what Paul's doing. Uh, But admittedly, I have heard this passage a ton of different times, and I never understood why Paul talked about this. Like, it was always out of context. And so if you look at the beginning of chapter 12, you'll see your heading says, Concerning Spiritual Gifts. Now, uh, spiritual gifts are just a way of saying uh, the gifts that God has given the people to help together to kind of be the body together, okay? These spiritual gifts are things that God has given different people to help uh, be the body, to help be the church, and each person has different gifts, and that's kind of the whole part of what Paul is talking about. Now, the people in Corinth, this early church, they were starting to kind of evaluate that one of the spiritual gifts in particular was better than all the rest, And so they were saying that this gift of speaking in tongues was superior to every other kind of spiritual gift. Now, Paul doesn't say that the the gift of speaking in tongues is a bad thing, Uh, but what Paul defines here is the gift of speaking in tongues is a way in which an individual communes with God in a language that wouldn't be understood by the people around you, okay? So it's this kind of language that a person speaks. It's like a prayer language that they are speaking individually with their relationship with God. And what was happening in the Corinthian church is that these people with this spiritual gift, when they gather as a church body, they would start to do this. They would pray in, this, in tongues. They would speak in a language that wasn't necessarily understandable to the people around them. And it became kind of confusing and chaotic because the rest of the people didn't understand what was being said. And so it would be like right now if a number of people just kind of started praying out loud in a language none of the other of us in the room understood. And so Paul was saying, hold on a second, I want you to kind of pay attention to how you're exercising and using these spiritual gifts. And this is the context that Paul gives this metaphor. Okay, is that kind of making sense? Setting the stage a little bit differently for how Paul refers to the body. So then here's what Paul says. We're gonna pick up in chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. Okay, we'll go kind of piece by piece through this. Here's what Paul says. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is With Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay, we're going to take a pause there for a moment. Uh, Anytime we hear this morning this word, uh, not one part, but of many, it's uh, the word uh, that would be kind of like we talk about member. Right? So anytime you see the word part, you're welcome to kind of underline that if you want. Anytime you see the word part, it's referring to this word member. Now, I have a, a confession to make. Um, I have always struggled a little bit with the idea of church membership. right? Because church membership, the way we understand membership in our own kind of culture, and our own context, has a lot to do with belonging. And belonging is a, a good thing, but a lot to do with who is in and who is out. Right? Like, when we think about membership, there's an exclusivity to that, right? Like, I have a gold card from Starbucks, so I'm a member at Starbucks, right? Or I have to have my Costco membership card before I can go and access that community's resources, right? And so membership, so much of what we've understood membership in our own life, is who is in and who is out. I did that backwards. Who is in and who is out, Right? Who is a part of this community? Who gets to decide what kind of special handshake we get to do to be members of this kind of elite club? But what Paul, when Paul uses the word here to talk about a member, Paul is literally writing that it's like a limb. Right? When Paul says each body, every part of the body is a part of the body, that word part, member, is literally a limb or an appendage, which is dramatically different than a club right? An appendage is an essential thing, and an appendage is, is a part of the organism. It's not just this object of, of deciding who's in and who's out. It's an extension of the thing itself, right? It's an appendage. It's in a limb, but it's an appendage or a limb of what? Now, here's the part. I'm, I'm going to be honest. We're kind of like getting right deep into it right here from the get-go, so buckle up because here we go. <laughs> uh, Daryl, can you go back to the first uh, chapter 12 or verse 12? Thank you. Uh, What it says here is, just as one body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with what? With Christ. Now, I'll be honest, when I think about a metaphor of the body, I always think about this in the context of being the body of the church. Right? Like, this is what it means to be the body of the members of the church. But what Paul says here is, so it is with Christ. Christ. Now, understandably, uh, this can sometimes be confusing, this word Christ, because a lot of times we hear about Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ isn't Jesus' last name, right? It's not like James Christ and Mary Christ and Joseph Christ, right? Jesus Christ refers to who Jesus is, but Christ refers to kind of the role and function of who Jesus was and is. Uh, Another word that might be helpful for us to understand the word Christ is Messiah, And so the people, the people of God, the people of Israel, who had these expectations of who the Messiah was going to be, had all of these expectations of what the Messiah would do. The Messiah would set people free, he would break the bonds of oppression and of bondage. That this Messiah would would come to rescue the people. The Messiah's role, the role of the Christ, was to reconcile people to God, to restore right relationship between the people and God. And so, when Paul says, just as the body has many parts, but isn't one part, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ, the Messiah. And so here is just, this kind of blew my mind this week. When Paul is talking about this idea of membership, not a club, but of membership, what Paul is actually saying is, you are living limbs that reach out to invite people into a reconciled relationship with God through Jesus. You are not club-carrying card members who take people's fee at the door. You are members of Christ. You are an appendage, an extension of the Messiah. And your call is to invite people into a reconciled relationship with God through Jesus. Now, I have to admit, when I think about church membership like that, whoo, right? That is a dramatically different way of understanding. This isn't some elite club that we all have a secret handshake and a cool card, right? This is that we are the body, that we are an appendage of the Messiah. Whoa. So, this is what Paul goes on to say. If you look uh, now in uh, chapter 12, verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, stop, parting, stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, on purpose for a purpose. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. This metaphor of the idea of the church, the people, as a body is significant. And what's interesting is, uh, as I was kind of doing some research for this, I realized uh, the metaphor of a body was actually pretty common in Paul's day. And it was common for uh, kind of public speakers to talk about a kind of politic. How are the people gonna organize themselves? But in particular, what most of these kind of public speakers would do is they would use this metaphor of the body to establish hierarchy. And to put you in your place, right? The leader, the king, the ruler, they are the head and you are the feet. So you better get in line and follow your marching orders. And this is the metaphor that the people at the time would use for the body. And what Paul does here is Paul invites a complete reimagination of how they understand the context of this metaphor. He's not saying establishing the hierarchy, certainly, as Pastor Britta reminded us last week, the mind of Christ, Jesus is the head of the church, but the hierarchy is not that every part is more important than the other parts, the higher up you go, but rather, in fact, that all of the parts rely on each other. And so what Paul is doing here with this metaphor is he's inviting people to reimagine a, a common description of their day. And instead of establishing this part is more important than that part, what Paul says is every part is essential, and each part requires difference, right? So what Paul is talking about is diversity, that every part is different than the other part, and interdependence, that each other part doesn't work without the other part. Do you see how, like, absolutely upside down and backwards that would be to establishing a hierarchy, Right, that every, that we have to rely on our diversity for the ability to function as a body. Our body doesn't work if it's all just a heart, or if it's all just a hand, or if it's all just an eye. Any piece is not work by itself, but it all works in conjunction with one another, interdependent on each other, but it requires diversity. Our diversity is actually what enables us to be the body. And this is so backwards from the rest of the world. The rest of the world says, be exactly like the cog you were designed to be so that you can execute the thing for the person at the top. And Paul flips that metaphor on its head and says, you all are different and unique and your differences and your uniqueness, your specific gifting and calling are gifts from God to enable you to be the body, to be a living limb, to reach out to others, to help them be reconciled to God. This is a dramatically different way of understanding this scripture, understanding this metaphor. Let's continue then uh, in verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Again, flipping this hierarchy on its head. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Uh, This thing that Paul talks about here that there should be no divisions in the body is the same thing that we talked about two weeks ago with this idea of kind of tears in the fabric of our relationship. There should be no schisms, there should be no tears in the fabric of our relationships, but rather each person is a thread that weaves that tapestry together. And so there should be equal concern for each other. And then Paul gives this really profound statement. Paul says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is a a call to embodied faith, right? A call to be empathetic and sympathetic to the different parts of our body. And I have to admit, I was a little bit convicted this week because I had uh, kind of probably a more shallow understanding when I heard this passage, this particular verse. Because I've kind of thought, okay, what happens? If we're really called to kind of be the church, if we're called to follow Jesus together with our differences, what happens when there's an experience or an occurrence in which we disagree or in which we're on different opposite sides, right? Can you think of any areas in the world right now in which we might be on opposite sides or different sides? Perhaps uh, the ways in which we just voted this last week, right? And so I've thought, okay, so how, how do you reconcile this kind of conversation? Like those who suffer, what if one group is suffering? What if, you know, what if the other side? And I had this kind of conviction uh, that I think that's a shallow reading or a shallow understanding of what this, this verse and how this passage sometimes gets used out of context. This is not about who wins or loses, right? That's club membership thinking. That's who is in and who is out. Who gets to be a, a part of the special group, this, this kind of a, elect, gr- graceful place, Instead, I think what Paul is talking about here as I kind of dug into this a little bit, suffering is used other places in the Bible. The word that's used here for suffering is used other places in the Bible. Almost every single occurrence is about Jesus and about the suffering that Jesus faces on the cross. This is not just about like losing a vote, right? This is about oppression and injustice, this is about the deep and abiding suffering. This is about when a part is wounded and in pain and near death. That's the suffering Paul talks about. And so when Paul says when a part of the body suffers, we suffer with it, it's that we, we literally empathetically engage with the oppression and injustice that our body, our sisters and brothers, are experiencing. And when it says that those who are honored, uh, we would rejoice with them, it's this glorification. It's this uh, idea that this, this part of the body is being glorified because there's some kind of restoration that's happening, right? This isn't the shallow level, who's in, who's out, who won, who lost, oh, shucks, I didn't get my way. This is the suffering, the deep and abiding oppression or injustice our sisters and brothers face and are called to be empathetic and to be reaching out as part of a body, as if our own body is being wounded. And when one part of our body is uplifted, we rejoice together. This is a, a deep, a deep metaphor. It was convicting to me to realize well, how often do I just treat these things as if. That's the issue when really it's what's going on underneath the surface. How am I being empathetic to my body, my sister or my brother who is suffering? So then Paul goes on, and this is, as Pastor Britta talked about last week, uh, Paul gives his thesis kind of here at the end. And so what Paul says then is, uh, he makes it really plain. I've kind of, uh, I jumped the gun and told you already the point, but here it is. Uh, Chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 27 Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ, this living organism, an extension of the Messiah. You are the body of Christ. And as I was preparing for this, I read a book talking about how the word order matters here, right? That it is not that we are individuals who make up a body, but that we are a body made up of individual members. I was like, that's a really profound point, right? That we're the body. And so I went back and I looked at what does it actually say kind of in the original language? Uh, I will admit it's a little bit rocky, uh, this translation. Some translations, this one says, you are the body and each one of you is a part of it. Uh, Another translation says, individually, you are members of it, right? So it's this idea. I went back and looked. It's very clunky, but literally what it translates to is, you all are the body of Christ, members of a portion. Okay, clunky in English. You all are the body of Christ, members of a portion. But do you see what's missing in that kind of main thesis of what Paul talks about? Nowhere in that language does it ever say each one of. Nowhere does it refer to individuality in the original language that Paul wrote this in. And I kind of had this like aha moment of realizing, like, this is an identity phrase, right? This is Paul's, he's summing up everything he's been telling the people. This is the main point I want you to capture. I want you to understand 1 Corinthians. Not 1 Corinthians, Corinthians. They weren't the first. Uh, So what he says is, you all are the body of Christ, members of a portion. But in English... And in our kind of Western worldview, whenever we talk about identity, we most often superimpose the idea of individuality. Do you see that? How much easier it is for us to say, each one of you in language or individually? That's not in there. Members of a portion. The portion is relationship to the whole. The individual is not being talked about. It's the community. And so in, t- in topics of identity, and when we talk about who we are in Christ, it is always understood, and where do I fit in this? How am I going to play a part? What is my spiritual gift? Who am I going to be? How am I going to be elevated? And that's the exact opposite point that Paul is trying to make. In fact, if you go back through, because I did this because I was, wanted to make sure I was being honest. If you go back through and look at this, every time an individual is being talked about, it's one body or one Christ Or setting up that you are not just one member, but many members. So when individuals are being talked about, it's in the context of the community. You cannot understand yourself without the context of community. And in fact, the you all is a part of the language. Even our English language, you can mean you individual or you plural. But in the scripture, it says you all are the body of Christ. It is a plural understanding of the community. And so often, our kind of Western European worldview says, it's all about me, and all about what I can do, and where do I fit into this story? Uh, On Wednesdays, we have a a discipleship group uh, that's been looking specifically and kind of journeying towards what does it mean to experience uh, racial righteousness, or how do we move towards racial righteousness as a community? And in particular, uh, this month uh, is Indigenous Peoples Heritage Month. And so we've been looking at a, a number of different kind of pieces of content from individual thought uh, leaders, uh, different pastors, and one in particular is a, a companion of our denomination, and her, na- her name is Lenora Three Stars. And Lenora Three Stars is a part of the Oglala Lakota tribe, and she has kind of established a relationship with our denomination, as in a covenant church, and preaches from time to time. And one of the things that our class did uh, was look at both the sermon from hers, but also kind of a reflection of what she wrote. And she wrote this article for our denomination, and it's uh, in her kind of uh, native Lakota tongue, but it translates to, you are my relatives. And one of the things that she is kind of challenging us as uh, Western thinkers is to think about what is your worldview? How do you understand scripture through the lens of your own worldview? And in particular, she draws attention to the idea of communal understanding of who are we as a we, not a who are we, as a me. And so uh, the last part of what she wrote just absolutely struck me. I couldn't get it out of my head. And I think it frames for us a question that we would benefit from holding. So this is what Lenore says at the end of her article. She says, as I continue to grow, my personal theological bright line, I love that language, personal theological bright line, is, does this help me be a good relative? If it's good for me, it should also be good for my family and my community. If my theology doesn't help me be a better relative, then I need a better theology. We have so much that we could learn from our indigenous sisters and brothers who follow Jesus whose worldview is not rooted in me and my club and who's in and who's out, but who understand a deep and abiding connection that their identity is rooted in the communal identity. That who they are is a part of who they, plural, are. And this is the invitation I believe Paul is extending to the Corinthian church. It's not just about you singular. It is about you plural. You are the body of Christ, members of a portion. Now, As I come into land, I just want to say really briefly this last piece because it was driving me crazy uh, and it was helpful to kind of figure this out. So the last part uh, from verse 28 on, this is what Paul says. God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all work do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, come on, Paul eagerly desire the greater gifts. What is he doing? He just got through like upending hierarchy and that we're all kind of a part of this membership that we understand our identity in the context of a communal identity. And now he says desire the greater gifts. He's just reestablished another hierarchy. What is he doing? Now, it was really helpful for me again to realize my worldview and how I approach this. And it's helpful to remember why Paul wrote this particular metaphor to the Corinthian church. Because the Corinthians were uh, giving priority to this spiritual gift speaking in tongues and so what Paul is trying to do is say that that focuses on the individual relationship between the person and God instead I want you to desire what he calls the gift of prophecy which he sees as kind of a different side of the same coin which is listening to God but in the context of community for the purpose of community And so when he talks about the greater gift, what he's talking about is the gifts that are a part of the body of the plural we, not the singular me. This isn't about elevating an individual. It's about discerning in community together. And so if you look at chapter 14, you can read one through five. It'll give you a lot of context if you're curious. But what he says in verse four is, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So when he's talking about this kind of hierarchy, what Paul is trying to do is he's helping them to understand their context of being a community. And what happens when we listen to God as a community, as a church, is the body is built up. The church is edified. We come together to create space for people to encounter God and to meet with one another.